Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. You know, we have been in this series called The Great, looking at the different perspectives, looking at the different names of of who our great God is. We've looked and explored the covenant names. Today's kind of the final covenant names of God, the the Jehovah's, and and some of which have been extremely familiar, some of which we go, oh yeah, man, just, just this one is, I've heard that before, it's so refreshing, so good. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our healer and, and these amazing ones. And then there's been some others that are a little hard to pronounce. Last week, was anybody gonna take a run at it? Sid Kanu, right? And I told you, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. But there's these amazing names. There's these names that, that they don't show us a different God. They don't show different gods. They show a different perspective of the same God, different angle, different, different, different placement where we get to see how great and grand God really is. And, and he is a provider and he is a healer and he is a banner and he is our peace and he is so many things because a name shows you something about who they, who he is. And this week we we came to a name, we show up to the, to the end of this series and, and I'm gonna be totally transparent with you. I, I, I try to do that all the time, but this doesn't make me look like some spiritual guru. I read this name and I went, I don't have it. <laughs> you see, this one is Jehovah Shema and, and I realized I've never one time in a prayer time or at a meeting heard anyone say, you know, praise be Jehovah Shema. And I, I'm realizing I haven't either, and it's just not a name that, that, that gets talked about often. It's not a name that I have, have had a lot of experience with. And so this week, so much of my preparation time, so much of, of, of preparing to preach this message was just learning for myself, what does this mean? And, and what, is, how do, what does it mean for us as the body of Christ? Because here's what I know to be true. There's nothing in this book on accident. There's nothing in that book that God says, you know, take it or leave it. If, if you're interested, check it out. If not, you know, there's other stuff to feast on today. This is the word of God. And so if his name is expressed, then it means something for us today. It means something for us in our world, in our environment, and in what we have going on. And so, so Jehovah Shema was, was not something that just jumped off the page, but yet as you dig in deeper and start to understand where it's rooted and what it means, it has been rich to my soul. You see, the, the word, the name Jehovah Shema means the Lord is there. And at first reading, you start to think about that and you're like, you know, some of these just the message just lays out before you. And then there's other ones you look at and you're like, the Lord is there. Okay. Uh, I don't see it, God. I need you to really push past my ignorance here. And, and it's fascinating when he actually does that. You see, this name is rooted in the book of Ezekiel. And fast, in fact, it's found on the very last sentence of the last page of the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 48, verse 35, as he finishes talking about the, 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 the 
architecture and the plans of how this, uh, the temple is gonna be built. It says all the way around there should be about 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that day shall be Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. You see, after taking time to articulate parameters, after taking time to articulate where the city gates need to be, where, where this needs to be, how high that wall needs to be, he has this enormous declaration of God's presence in a specific place. He, he finishes this book by saying, you need to understand that place now is gonna be known as a place where God is, that the Lord is there. And it begs a question, isn't God everywhere, right? Isn't God omnipresent? And, and of course he is. This is not saying he's not. We know that by Psalm 139, seven through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I bake my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike you. So we know for sure, 100%, God is everywhere all the time. And yet, in his word, he has chosen to, to, to reveal himself to us as a God who also uniquely at certain times concentrates his presence on specific places. There, there are moments and times in history where God comes and, and, and concentrates his presence in such a way as to, as to be fully there and to be, to be there in a unique way. You see, specific places in, in specific times, this concentration of his, of his presence leads to specific blessings and goodness that follows these moments where he is there. And so while he's everywhere, there's also these times in history where God shows up and, and his indwelling presence begets or begins this blessing of people. And so then you gotta back up. We've gotta step into this quick and, and talk about what does the word blessed really mean? I think this could be a word that we have misused a bit in Christian circles because we just call everything a blessing, right? Everything that happens, we go, yeah, that was a blessing. That was a blessing. That was a blessing. Bless you. Bless that. Bless this. And, and it could have diluted it a bit. And so I want to look really quickly at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, blessed be the God, our Father of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now that's a lot of bless. But each word there is a unique and different word. And so blessed or blessing has unique attributes to it. So, so we say bless in, in, in this context, there's three different words that that word bless means. The, the eulogetos, it's to steam, exalt, to lift up and praise. So blessed be God is something that we do 
to God. We esteem him. We lift him up. We praise him. The next word is eulogesis, to tell or to, to explain, to, to set around, upon the right path. So blessed, lift up and exalt, be God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who has set us on the right path, who has spoken to us the way to go. With every spiritual blessing, that's eulogia, and that's spoken praise or generous gift. And so here we have blessed, meaning three different things, one of which is, is withheld for God, right? You don't want to be blessed, be, you know, Ian, right? If, if we're lifting that up, that's a problem. We're missing that. So, so one of them is off the table. So the other two are words that you could use to, to explain what it is when the concentration of God's presence, when the Lord is there, there is something that happens. There is a blessing that follows. What is that blessing? It is direction and, and gifts that God uniquely gives in seasons and moments where he shows up in a concentrated way and we see Jehovah Shema on display. That, that, that he will come and bring you direction and, and God show us where to go, what to do, how to operate, what this is supposed to look like. Show, bless us, God. And that happens when we see the Lord is there. And then also that, that he will give you words of spoken praise and generous gifts. And so all that to say really quickly, there are three places that I wanna draw attention to as we talk about the Lord is there, what does it mean? And where in scripture do we see that he was there? And then how do we glean from that uh, application for our own life today? The three places I wanna draw attention to is the garden, the wilderness, and the believer. The first one is the garden. Try not to rip my microphone off. You see, there is this beautiful picture, imagery, where we see God interact with Adam and Eve, interact with, with his creation. And it says that his presence, there's roots from this word in the garden, that, that, that his presence was there, that there was a concentration of his presence in the garden that led to an intimacy between Adam and Eve and God where they would walk in the coolness of the evening, that when Jehovah Shema is there, when he's, when he's here, there is something incredible. And we could go back to Genesis chapter two and three and realize that there is just this intimate encounter that takes place, this intimate walk and, and life with God that is only made possible through him being there. See, Eden means paradise or pleasure, and it's, it's related to this Hebrew word meaning to delight or, uh, or, 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 or luxuriant. The psalmist put it like this in Psalm 16, you will show me a path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's that blessed, that gift we're talking about. That when God is there in the garden, there is this, this intimacy, this, this beauty, this delight in just being with him. That's what Jehovah Shema brings. That's what this name 
beckons us to that there is an invitation to, to be with God and walk in the cool of the day because he was there. The second observation, the second location is in the wilderness. You see, there is, there is no doubt that as the, the people of God are out wandering in the wilderness, that, that there is a, their moaning and bemoaning, their, their frustration is, is there, but also there's a clear and evident thing where, where, where we see that the presence of God was there as well. In Exodus 13, we see that he was leading them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You see, he guided them. So, so if the first thing we draw from is that, that there is intimacy with God when we're in that concentrated presence, the second thing is there's direction that God's presence, that God being there is gonna lead us down the path that we need to go, that we're gonna see him, that we're gonna know exactly what we're supposed to do. And y'all, I don't know if I'm the only one, but there's a lot of days where I kind of wake up and get rolling and get moving and I realize like, man, God, I really need to tell you, need you to tell me what I need to do. I, I really need some wisdom and insight on where I'm supposed to go and how I'm supposed to navigate the complexity of life. And, and, and there is, a, there is a, a refreshing that should come when we realize that God is there. He's in that place of, of being willing to, to show up in a concentrated way to give you clarity about where to go and what to do. That you're not just left to your own devices in this world to just figure it out and, and you know, get through it and try to be the best you can be. That God wants to come and with intimacy encounter you and then with clarity guide you as to which way to go and what to do and how to operate in this crazy world. And so there is this invitation to, to follow him as Jehovah Shema. You see, the tabernacle was a tent and God had given divine instructions how it should be built. And the children of Israel moved it around the desert for the, in the wilderness for 40 years. And this was a focal point, a concentration of God's presence. You see, the purpose of the tabernacle was given in Exodus 29. And so around in verse 42, it says, this shall be continually burnt offerings throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meetings before the Lord, where I meet you and I speak to you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified to my glory, by my glory. So I will concentrate, consecrate, talking's hard today, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priest and I will dwell among you. I will be there for the children of Israel and I will be their God. You see, there is this, he guides by day, he leads by night and then he gives these instructions for the tabernacle of God. Very specific, very, very detailed instructions about 
how to, how to carry it, how to operate it, how to function in it, how to, who's allowed in, who's allowed in, where, how they're allowed in. And he says, there I will concentrate my, my presence so that the benefits, the blessings that come from me being there can be flourishing in my people. Which leads to this third place where we see God is there and that is indwelling in the life of the believer. You see, we have this incredible gift, this incredible God who, who, is, who is willing to be there, who, who's willing to, to show up and, and be present. And, and yes, while he's big and everywhere, he's also willing to concentrate his presence like it was in the garden when, when they were walking in intimacy and nearness to him. Like in the wilderness where, where, where when he would show up, there would be clarity for, for knowing where to go, for knowing how to operate, for knowing even how to, to worship and make sacrifice and restore the, 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 the relationship. And then all of a sudden, we see it culminate in this beautiful expression, in this, in this world-changing, life-altering expression of God's intimacy with us where he decides that he's gonna come and be here. That, that we as believers, you know, I think there's so much, there's so much that we take for granted, maybe that we leave at the door in the morning on our way out, we forget to bring it with us and go, wait, I'm a blood-bought son of the king today. I have the very power of God living inside of me, encouraging me to operate, to, 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 to walk in intimacy with him, to walk in clarity for my purpose, to know that my identity is bigger than my failures, to understand that my, my, my life is more than just my wants and desires, but it's to to live in a fulfilled way where I operate in the will and ways of the king and that when I find myself giving my life away, that's in fact where I'll find life itself because I am more than just self-gratification and, and self-indulgence. I am the, 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 the son of the king and I have an opportunity to to take God is there, to take Jehovah Shema out into the world because he says he's willing to come and tabernacle now, not just in a temple out in the desert, but right here in your soul. And so all of a sudden, this, this incredible picture comes, uh, comes clear where we start to see that the empowering presence of God inside of us is the very dwelling place of God. See, one definite indication of uh, the, the, that he has said this to the disciples is it says that in uh, John 14, that he who has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus because Jesus is the heart of God revealed to mankind and Jesus is the Father in his divine nature revealed in the person of his Son. 
See, John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. And so all of a sudden we have Jehovah Shema showing up. The Lord is there in the garden. The Lord is there in the wilderness. And now the Lord is there in the, in, the, in the believer that God has chosen to come and tabernacle in your soul, in your heart. And he's, he's come to, to, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we say yes to him, when we reject our sins and repent of our sins and, and accept him as the worthy living sacrifice, it says that he comes to dwell amongst us and dwell in us. And there's this incredible moment now where you see that, that what was in the garden, the intimacy with God, what was in the wilderness, the direction and clarity of God, what is in the life of the believer is supposed to be what the church is all about, that the world would look upon the church and say, the, the Lord is there. You see, if it's not, if that's broken, it's not God that's malfunctioned, it's the people. And so our job, our effort, our, our, our driving force shouldn't be to, to work really hard to make people like us. It shouldn't be to, you know, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing so good, you're gonna love coming here. Not me. It's to so permeate the goodness and richness of our God it's to so allow him through, through being present with him, through living in his word, through, through, through prayer, through community, through life together with him, on mission with him, serving, laying down our life for other people, to so permeate the presence of God that dwells amongst us, that the world beholds us and says, the Lord is there. See, church, I want to be a church that people know us not by our, our good, good music, not by our, our cool building, not by our furniture, but that the Lord is here. Because that's the great hope we have for the world. That's who Jehovah Shema is. The Lord is here. And so we don't wonder, we're not, we're not, you know, grasping in the dark, trying to, to touch the, you know, a little bit of who God might be. We know who he is. He has expressed himself through the word and come amongst us and he has died so we could have life. And so now we know that Jesus is Lord and he is the great Jehovah Shema that has empowered us to live a life where we get to lean into him, trust into him, live with him tabernacling, like in intimacy and walking with him. We get to be guided and led by him. And then we get to be empowered by him to go out into the world and change the world. And so tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, when we wake up, don't leave this at the door, but put on the full armor of God. And you step into that world, head held high, knowing that you have been called for a time like this. That God didn't accidentally put you in this season, in this moment, in these circumstances, 
And, and, and if you're anything like me, sometimes you're going, God, I didn't want this. These are the, you, you miscalculated here. I was supposed to get that guy's gig. You know, I wanted, he doesn't make mistakes, but he puts you here to make a difference. And so beloved, as we look upon the intensity, the bigness, the overwhelmingness, the odds stacked against us, just remember that, that the Lord is there, that he'll step right into the middle of the mess and bring you near to him. He'll show you where to go and he'll empower you to do things you never thought possible because it is who he is. It's not like an addition to what he adds on. It's not like, a, like an extra, you know, special thing that he did. It's not, no, this is just, this is who he is. God is there. And so because of that, we stand in confidence, looking upon all the odds, all the, 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 the mountains stacked against us, knowing that because of who he is, because of what he's done, if he says that mountain's gotta go, that mountain is gonna go. And so I empower you, I encourage you, I exhort you this week to lean in to this unique name of God, Jehovah Shema. Go to Ezekiel, read it, think about it, process it, sit with him on these things. Because when we start to resonate that, that when I think about a world without God, right, it's a mess. When I think about opposition without God, it's a problem. But when I look at the great fight that is before me and I remember that Jehovah Shema is there, anything is possible. And so we stand infused with courage this morning, knowing that there's nothing outside that door. There's nowhere outside that door that God can't be. And because he's chosen to tabernacle in you, the power of him is now ready to live through you, through the parakletos, the, the, the helper, the great advantage. We now have opportunity to do and be whatever God calls us to do and be because this is who he is. Amen, somebody? Yeah. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your names to proclaim the greatness of who you are. And God invites you, we invite you to come and, and stir us up this week as we lean into your word, as we trust that you're calling us to an intimate place, to a place of clarity and to a place of empowerment, God, that, that, that you alone hold the keys, that you are, are the fuel, that you are the source, that without you we can do nothing, but with you anything is possible. And so come, oh God, and stir us up. Great Jehovah Shema. Speak to our souls this week and remind us that God, you indeed are here. For it's in Jesus' power and authority that we pray. Amen? Amen, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.